Good evening. It is another great opportunity we have been given to assemble as God's people, as his children, and to worship him in spirit and in truth. Tonight we're going to continue our uh, series of lessons on evangelism. A little over a month ago now, we, looked, we started uh, the first sermon, first lesson in the series about how to get into a Bible study. And we looked at the uh, points through that uh, particular lesson as, as we went through them as showing and not telling, defer, don't debate, and plant, planting the word and not picking. And tonight, what you hold in your hand is Back to the Bible, Lesson 1. Now, we very briefly mentioned that in the last lesson. And as we're going to note tonight in the introduction, this is a tool designed to have a study with someone, particularly those that are close to us that are lost. It is still true that if I was to ask you to raise your hand, that if you knew someone that was lost, I know every hand in the auditorium tonight would go up. And it is our job as Christians to do that great work of evangelism. And there's not a greater work than any of us can do than to be soul winners. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30, the text reads, The fruit of the righteous is, is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. And in Matthew chapter 28, verse, verse, verses 19 and 20, the Great Commission, as we have, it's often called, Jesus speaking to go into all the world, to teach, to baptize, and to teach. And the next point on that slide is a troubling one, and it's also a scary one for us as Christians in this country, that the Church of Christ is suffering in America. On average, and we're going to notice this later in the series of lessons, we are losing well over 100 congregations each year. We are in decline. And the Church of Christ and throughout the Brotherhood used to be very good at evangelism. It was at one time in a 1953 dictionary that there was a reference to the Church of Christ under the word Christian. We were growing and God was blessing us because righteousness exalts a nation and sin is a reproach to any people. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 was our lesson text tonight. The preacher, the elders, job, or the, their job is to evangelize, but that's not the only ones that that verse directs to. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 teaches us that all Christians, all faithful men everywhere, ought to be evangelizing, ought to be spreading the unsearchable riches of truth with those that are lost around us. But one may ask, how do we do that? How do we effectively do that? And what you hold in your hand tonight is that tool. It is back to the Bible. And this material that we are going to be looking at throughout the entirety of this series of lessons is taken from the personal evangelism seminar that Brother Rob Whitaker did here at the congregation, I believe in November of 2017. And he brought, we're going to look at some of those points he brought out. And continuing on through that slide, it's an absolute overwhelming truth that the devil has deceived Christians, that 
evangelism does not work in America anymore. Individuals are going more after evil and sinful lifestyles than, quite frankly, ever before in the history of this country. But the future of America does not set primarily in Washington, D.C. It sets in the pews of the brotherhood of the churches of Christ. So again, how do we do this? We have the tool. And we're going to be looking at this tool. We're going to start with Lesson 1 tonight, go through all three booklets until we arrive at the third booklet, which is the most fundamental. And we'll get there in due time if it be the will of God. And I may go ahead and ask, if anybody did not get a copy of Lesson 1 tonight, if you would raise your hand. Our elders have some of those. Looks like everybody does have a copy. Okay. So as we said, this is a study tool for personal Bible studies. This is not a correspondence. This is nothing that is sent in to any particular congregation and graded. This is a tool used for personal Bible studies, a one-on-one -on -one study with a soul that's lost. Back to the Bible originated in roughly the 1980s and was written by the late brother Bobby Bates. Uh, his widow, Miss Wilma Bates, uh, continues producing these. Brother Rob Whitaker is taking these on uh, with him to the uh, congregations he visits throughout the year, and churches of Christ are starting to catch on to these. Sister Wilma uh, told Rob that as, we, as they started out, they would copy and uh, ship out about 3,000 a year. And in the recent years, and including this year, they are going to send out more than 30,000 copies. 30,000 sets of Back to the Bible. Churches of Christ are starting to come online to purchase these to try to reach the lost. This three-lesson study method that, that we have here can be summed up with three words. It is first and foremost scriptural, it's simple, and it's effective. Back to the Bible has a conversion rate of right at 90 to 92 percent. So that means nine out of ten people that we study with using this method will obey the gospel by the time they reach lesson three. And for that one individual, we're going to talk about that later on in the series of lessons in due time. But if you would, if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, we're going to learn the pattern in which back to the Bible is written and constructed. Brother Bobby Bates was really brilliant in using this uh, pattern to pattern this. Lesson one that we're going to look through tonight is authority in Scripture, knowing who Jesus is and how we get the Word of God. Lesson two talks about the church, the organization of the church, the worship of the church, the leadership of the church. And lesson three is sin and salvation. So when we look at Acts chapter 8, if we look at verses 4, 5, and 12, we see that very pattern. We see the authority of Jesus. We see the church being preached, the kingdom of God, in verse 5. And then also verse 12 of gospel obedience. 
And that is how Back to the Bible is patterned. Lesson one of Back to the Bible is constructed as follows. As you sit with the prospect or the student that you're studying with, you simply re read the scriptures together, ask them the questions, and it's yes-no format or fill-in-the-blank format, and it's that simple. And the main topics that Lesson 1 covers are authority and religion, the Holy Spirit guiding the apostles into all truth, the inspired word is our only guiding religion, we must not add to or take away from God's word, and to close Lesson 1, we learn what, which law we are under today, which law is binding today. And as we continue, you're going to notice this uh, picture up here. This is, a this is back to the Bible survey. And what this survey is designed to do for the prospect is it allows you as the teacher to know where the prospect is at. It's got simple questions if they, if they believe in God. And then we're going to talk about the last part of that later in the series of lessons about their spiritual condition and their, what they did to become saved. And we'll get there in due course. And this next chart is something that each of us will likely need if we do conduct a study. And when we conduct a study will be the personal evangelism workbook. Um, Brother Rob has given permission to make copies out of those workbooks, so if you need to get the material, you can see one of our elders or, or myself, and we'll provide that for you. But this particular chart goes hand in hand and is an aid for Lesson 1 of Back to the Bible. So you may want to, if you're studying with someone, it may be a good idea to take a piece of paper to cover up each section and to go down one by one through each section as we go through lesson one. Lesson one is vital in understanding how we got the Bible, how God, who God is, and understanding the foundation of the Father's Word to you and I. So as we start, if you would open up back to the Bible, now, throughout the rest, of the, the, the rest of the lesson and on these slides, I have got the scripture put on the slides, and I've got the questions below them. So we're going to fill these out together. This is not going to be a typical sermon. This is a sermon to, for you to be engaged as well, to fill these out. This is going to be your teacher's edition and master copy uh, to use to bring someone to Christ. So we're going to appreciate the simplicity of these booklets. And we'll start with the first, uh, first passage and question on page 2. John chapter 8, verse 32. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And we'll ask the question. Jesus says the blank will make you free. And that is, of course, the truth. And then we'll journey on to our next passage. In John chapter 4, verse 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit 
and in truth. And our question, Jesus tells us we must worship God in spirit and in blank. And the answer is truth. Now I know I've got the scriptures up here for us. And as, we, as you conduct a study, you might be tempted to go ahead and write down passages of Scripture and make uh, uh, bookmarks in your Bible. That's likely not the best idea or strategy to use because you want the prospect or the student to learn the books of the Bible. You want them to get familiar with it. So again, you will read the passage with them. And again, you would likely fill out back to the Bible with them. Uh, to make them feel more comfortable. And they will learn the books of the Bible very quickly by doing that. So our next scripture, John 17, 17. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. What is truth is our question. And that is the word. The word is truth. And you may want to make a note on the side that the truth is, of course, the foundation of understanding, the, of understanding God's Word. So our next passage comes from John chapter 14, verses 23 through 24. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. And our question, the teaching of Jesus was from blank, and that would be, of course, the Father. In our next passage, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. God, who in sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And our question, today God speaks to us through his Son. And as we continue through these questions and these passages of Scripture, I hope you're under getting a... Uh, understanding of the simplicity of, of back to the Bible and how it is laid out. In John chapter 3, verse 35 is our next passage. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things unto His hands. And our question, God has given blank things into the hands of Jesus, and that, of course, is all things. There's nothing left out. And our next passage comes from Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And our question, Jesus has all blank in heaven and in earth. And of course, that's power. That is his authority. And you may want to make a note under that. And ask the prospect, so how much authority does that leave me or does that leave you? And of course the answer would be none. It's very important we understand that the word, words truth and authority are highlighted in, back, in book one and lesson one. And that their understanding of authority 
and who Jesus is and the Word is highlighted. And John chapter 17 is our next passage, verse 2. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should, he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. So our question reads as follows. Jesus has authority over blank. And of course, that would be all flesh. You may want to make a note under that, that Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. Revelation chapter 19, verse 16. And it does not matter where one might live, what race is under discussion, or one's background in life. Jesus has authority over all flesh. Our next passage of Scripture takes us to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. And it reads, Which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet, and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that, fi that filleth all in all. And our question God has made Jesus to be head over all things to the blank. And that, of course, would be church. And this particular passage has another question attached to it. Does this mean Jesus has all authority over the church? And that would, that would be yes. And our next passage, we'll go back to the book of John. John chapter 12, verse 48 reads, he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And our question reads, At judgment we will be judged by the words of Jesus. Would be our answer for that question. And our next passage takes us to John chapter 6, verse 68. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And our question, who has the words of eternal life? And that's, of course, Jesus Christ. Our next question, should we go to anyone else, parents, preachers, relatives, or friends for eternal life? And, of course, the answer to that would be no, absolutely not. And that has concluded our first section of Lesson 1, and we'll move on to the second section. So God had all the, all the truth. He's given it to the Son, and now the Son is going to allow the next step to get the Word to us. So the Holy Spirit guided the apostles into all truth. And this, at this point in the, in the study that you may be studying with, with a person, you may want to use this scenario. Maybe you may, you may want to write under this apostle example. And you may, you may tell this scenario. Suppose you were living with Jesus in the first century, and Jesus appointed you to be an apostle. And he told you that you were going to be writing down his will. So without intervention of the Holy Spirit, do you think it would be possible for you to remember all things that I have 
preached and have done throughout my life? And of course, the answer would be no. It took divine revelation from heaven of the Holy Spirit coming on those apostles, as we're going to see in, Je in Jesus' promise to them. In John chapter 14, verse 26, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. And our question asks, did Jesus say the Holy Spirit would teach them all things and bring, bring all that Jesus said to their remembrance? Yes, absolutely. Their remembrance would be an accurate remembrance. And our next question to that, to that passage, when the apostles taught by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, were they teaching their own words or the words of Jesus? And that would be, of course, the words of Jesus. That'll take us to our next passage, John chapter 14, verse 26. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. And our question reads, Jesus said the Holy Spirit would guide the apostles into all truth. And our next passage of Scripture takes us to Jude 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. So our question was the faith delivered in the lifetime of the apostles? And the answer would be an absolute yes. You may want to make note of this also that the American Standard Version says once and for all time delivered to the saints. So you may ask them at this point, the prospect, are we still waiting on any revelations or any teachings from God today? And of course the answer would be no to that. And that takes us to our next question for this, for this particular passage. Since the ap apostles were guided into all religious truth in their lifetime, should we expect to receive any new revelations today? No. And that is the conclusion of the second point, and that brings us to our third section in Lesson 1. The inspired word is our only guide in religion. And we may make this point before we start answering the questions to our prospect, we can know the truth because it's been written down. So it has been preserved for us through time unto today. So that'll take us to our next passage of Scripture. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through His name. And our question reads, These things are written that you might blank, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that you might have blank. And that, of course, would be believe and have life through His name. 
And that takes us to our next passage, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. The things have I written unto you that believe on the name of Son of God, that ye might you may know you that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And our question, these things are blank, that you may blank, you have eternal life. That is, of course, written that you may know you have eternal life. And I would ask the prospect maybe this, 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 or state this to them. Based upon the fullness of the New Testament, we can know we're going to heaven if we do what the Bible has said. Very simply and straightforward. Romans chapter 10 verse 9. I'm sorry, that should be Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Uh, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the, our question asks, how does faith come? By hearing of the word of God, of course. And that takes us to our next scripture. And I believe I made a mistake there in Romans. Let me turn to Romans chapter Romans chapter 10, verse 17. No, that was correct. All right, James, I'm sorry, that, that's gonna, this next point takes us to our next passage of Scripture. In James chapter 1, verse 21. Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. So our question, what is able to save your soul? It's, of course, the engrafted word. And we may want to make this point of superfluity of naughtiness. If you're using a King James Version in the study, and any, really any version will work uh, with studying with a prospect or your student, but we may want to make a note that that superfluity of naughtiness refers, and to air common day language, would be a, of overflowing of wickedness. And of course, the engrafted word we may use the scenario of a skin graft in a surgical operation. It has to be applied, of course, in one's heart to work in that person's life so that they can live for God. So that then takes us to our next passage in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So the question is, how is one born again? And that's, of course, by the Word of God. We may ask the prospect that, if you, have you ever heard of the phrase, born again? And depending on their answer, we may direct them, well, this is how it's done. It's by obeying what God said. And our next question, should you go to any other source to learn how to be saved? And, of course, the answer to that would be no. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Does the Bible, does the Bible thoroughly furnish us unto every good work? Yes. Do we need additional 
revelations to make us complete before God? Of course not. We may want to make a note that the 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 passage, that the man of God may be perfect, we may make the note of that it is complete. And we may use the scenario of a perfect, freshly baked apple pie. If one gives you a perfect, complete, a perfect a apple pie, they are giving you a complete pie. So we may use those little scenarios to help us uh, go through and to make the point more clear for the prospect. So our next question under this passage, do we need the Book of Mormon to make us complete spiritually? Of course not. And then our last question for this scripture, do we need church traditions, manuals, creed books, confessions of faith to make us complete spiritually? And the answer to that would be an overwhelming no. And that takes us to our next passage in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. According at His divine power, hath given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and virtue. And our question, has God given us all things that pertain to life and godliness? Yes. Since God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness in the Bible, should, we, should any other source be used as our religious authority? And of course, the answer would be no. And that concludes our third point and brings us to our fourth section of Lesson 1. We must not add to or take away from God's Word. We're going to learn an Old Testament principle here and going back to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 2. You shall not add unto the words which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I have commanded you. And our question, would we please God if we added to or deleted anything from His Word? No. Our next passage, Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. We're going to note an interesting truth here that the same warning that was given in the Old Testament is also given in the New. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from Him that called you unto the grace of Christ, unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be the same that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. And we may want to stress and make the point very clear to the prospect and how this is phrased and repeated twice in the seriousness of it. And our question, will we be accursed if we add to or take away from the Bible? Absolutely. And we're going to go back and learn one more Old Testament principle here from Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 and 2. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein, and put incense thereon, and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord, and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And our question, These men offered strange fire before the Lord, which he blank. And that would be, of course, 
commanded them not. And the continued questions that go with this, this passage, did they alter God's commandments? Yes. Was God, was God pleased with them? No. And must we be careful how we handle the Word of God? Absolutely. And I might, if I would stu be studying with the prospects, you may want to make the point that these men were the high priest's sons, so if anyone would know the law of God, surely it should have been them. And yet they commanded, or, and, and they, they went against God's will on that particular occasion by going and commanding them not toward His will. And our second passage will take us to 2 John chap chapter 9. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. And our question, if we do not abide in the doctrine of Christ, is God pleased? No. Do you want to please God? Of course we do. And our next passage, Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. But in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And our question, their worship to God was unacceptable because they taught for doctrines blank, and that would be the commandments of men. And in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, is our next passage. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And our question, who will be allowed to enter into heaven? And of course, our answer would be those that do the Father's will. And the question for the prospect, do you want to go to heaven? And of course, we can all say yes to that. And our next and final point in lesson one, we've established that the truth came from God. It, came, it went to Jesus and then the apostles. And now it's to us. But now we have the Old and New Testament. Which law are we under? Are we under the Old Testament, the New Testament? Are we under both? And we're going to clear that up in the last section. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, Again, God, who in sundry times and in his divers' manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days, I would make the point to them that that's the time period we're living in, since the time of Christ, spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. And our question, God formerly gave his revelations to the fathers by the prophets, but today he speaks to us through blank, and that's of course his son, Jesus Christ. Our next passage, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now, I know we've already looked at these passages uh, previously in, the, in Lesson 1, but we are establishing that, we're using them now to establish the New Testament law being bind, the law of, of obedience for us today. And our question to that, how much authority did God give Jesus? And of course, that's all. 
In our next passage, John chapter 12, verse 48. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth, judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. So we will be judged by the words of, of course, that would be Jesus. So this, again, helps us understand for the prospect what law we are under. We won't be judged by the law of Moses or by the prophets. So our next passage takes us to John chapter 1, verse 17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by, of course, Jesus Christ. And as we continue on to Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 and 17, And for this cause he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that, we, that were under the first testament, they that which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For, there is, there, for where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So our question, is Jesus the mediator of the New Testament? Yes. And when did the New Testament of Jesus go into effect? And that would be, of course, at death. And to get this point across to the prospect, we may use the example of a wheel. I'm sure most of us here have a wheel. And we all know that a wheel goes into effect when, of course, someone passes away. So our next passage of Scripture takes us to Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 and 7. But now, but now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. So our question, is Jesus the mediator of a better covenant? Yes. If the first covenant, the Old Testament, had been faultless, would God, had give, would God have given us the second covenant, the New Testament? No. But one may ask, was there something wrong with God's covenant? Why did He give them a faulty covenant? And if we go to verse 8, one more verse in that section of Scripture, it was uh, faulty because the people could not keep it. So it wasn't God's fault, it was the people's fault. So in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 13, he, in, in that he saith a new covenant, he hath made the first old, now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. When God gave the new covenant, did he make the first one old or no longer in force? Absolutely. In Acts chapter 13, verses 38 and 39, But it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe, believe are justified from all things, from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. And our question, can we be justified by the law of Moses? And of course, the answer would be an overwhelming no. 
it's very important that we know about most people, especially those from denominations, do not know that we are under the only under the New Testament today. They like to follow under both of them. So it's vitally important that we get this point across in the New Testament's presentation of this. And our next passage of Scripture is Galatians chapter 3, verses 11 through 13. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident for the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. So is the law of faith? No. And did Christ redeem us from the curse of the law? Absolutely. And when we see the word law and covenant in the next in this passage and as well as another as well as the next ones, uh, that is a reference to the Ten Commandments, as we're going to note in just a moment. In our last page of Lesson 1, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, blotting out, the handwritings, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. And our question, when was the bond written in ordinances abolished? And that would be, of course, at death. In Ephesians chapter 2.15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments, contained in ordinances, for us for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. And our question, what did Jesus abolish in his flesh? And that would be, of course, the law of commandments. This is where the example of the Ten Commandments is used. So one may ask, so are we not under the Ten Commandments anymore? And the answer would be, of course we're not. And most people in religious circles, or even most people in everyday walks of life, do not know that teaching. We are under nine of, the, of them because Jesus uh, restated nine of them uh, in the New Testament. We may make that point to the prospect as well in the course of the study when we get to this point. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 23 and 25, But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up into the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith is come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Now that faith has come, are we under the law? And again, that's the old law, and of course that would be no. In Romans chapter 7, verse 4, Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. And our question, Paul says, Ye also are become blank, become dead, to the law by the body of Christ. 
And right here is where the likely the light bulb moment will be for the prospect because we understand here that the Old Testament has no power today. And in Romans chapter 7, verse 6, But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the old, oldness of the latter. And our questions... Paul says, now we are delivered from the law. And our last question for lesson one, to make the point of which law we are under today, is the New Testament the law spiritually binding today? And the answer would be an overwhelming yes. And that's going to bring us to the conclusion of our lesson tonight. I appreciate your attention. I know it takes a little bit longer to go through these, but this, again, is going to equip all of us to learn and be familiar with the material and back to the Bible. And if we can learn that and apply those and get familiar with it, we are one step in the right direction of bringing a soul to Christ. In our next lesson, if it be the will of God next month, we'll do the same thing with lesson two. And as we continue this week and on down through uh, this new year, may we always keep in mind 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. Tonight, if you're not right with God, if you need to come forward for uh, repentance, for maybe there be one more one here that needs to obey the gospel tonight, we can assist you in that. You must hear the word, believe with all your heart, repent, confess his name, and be baptized. If you've not, if you have done that and you've fallen away, maybe upon a lesson like this tonight, you know that your life is not in, in accordance to, new, uh, to the New Testament. We will help you, we'll pray for you, and God's promised to forgive. If we can do that tonight, won't you let us know, even now, while together we stand and sing the invitation song.